Hello lovelies, and welcome back to another episode of Not A Floating Head. Today's episode is the second half of my second interview with naturopathic physician Dr. Vanessa. Essentially, this is part 2.5 of our conversations on chronic fatigue and why the fuck am I so tired? A quick note that like the last episode, today's audio was pulled from the video we recorded of the interview, so unfortunately, it's not up to our normal standard. As always, a quick content warning for this episode includes not only my foul mouth, but also Dr. Vanessa's foul mouth. It's fun to curse with friends. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the interview. One of the things that might be important for us to talk about is exercise when it comes to chronic fatigue and inflammation, because I know one of the things that went out the window for me with all of my inflammation and chronic fatigue was my ability to exercise in the way that I could exercise before. And anyone with a chronic illness knows that there's nothing that pisses you off more than when people say, well, just go to the gym, just exercise, just do yoga. Yoga did not cure me, okay? <laughs> yoga by itself did oh. not cure me. <laughs> I, I, I love doing yoga, it's good for me, but it took a very, very long time for me to figure out when I was in a chronic fatigue state what exercise could I actually do? What could I manage? And for me, it was low impact. So things like yoga, um, Pilates and swimming were really, that kind of allowed me, I could exercise, but not so much to the point of exertion that then I had overdone it and was exhausted for another two weeks just from one 20 minute swim or one 20 minute Pilates session. So why don't you talk a bit about exercise, both kind of over-exercising and under-exercising when it comes to chronic fatigue. Yeah. So I guess when it comes to exercise and inflammation and fatigue, you know, we kind of have to consider what's going on with that, you know, with the person we're talking about. You know, there's no one-size-fits-all appropriate exercise regime for everyone. So exercise can be really beneficial to the inflammation and the immune response because one of the things that really drives inflammation, um, especially that low-grade inflammation, is low oxygenation levels in the body. Mm. So whenever our blood oxygenation is low, we tend to be more inflamed. So exercising, getting the body moving, you know, deep breathing, all of these things will will absolutely help um, will help reduce inflammation. However, there is a bit of a, a bit of a caveat here. Mm. So if we if we kind of if we're already in the stress state, if we're, our sympathetic nervous system is already you know activated, if we're already you know having that chronic inflammation going on because of um, because of stress, and then we exercise too much and we don't recover enough, then we can kind of add to the stress burden of the body and kind of make make the whole process a bit worse. And one of the things that happened to me mm. when I when I go through chronic fatigue, and not so much anymore because now I do my activity pacing, <laughs> I follow the things that I teach, but when I was going through that chronic fatigue and trying to figure everything out, I was winded all the time. Mm. I couldn't catch my breath, and which also made me worried that I might have issues with my heart um, because I would get short shortness of breath in a way that I hadn't gotten before, had not have gotten before, had not have gotten, have not have had. I'm not sure what the correct term is. Didn't have before. Let me just say that. Is that another sign of? Is that part of the oxygenation or is that part of inflammation? And of what could be causing that? I mean, it could be could be different different factors in terms of. You know, if, if you're, you know, if you're really stressed, you're not able to take a deep breath because that's your true, sympathetic yeah. nervous system is, is turned on. Yeah. And that sometimes can give you the feeling of oh, that gasping for air. Yeah. You know, if, if you're too inflamed and, and your oxygen levels are low, 
and sometimes you, you'll have the perception like you know, even though you're breathing deeply you're because your your brain you know, part of your brain is responding to the um, carbon dioxide and oxygen levels in your in your blood you know you're not getting that feedback and you might mm. not you might just perceive it as um, not being kind of restored. and if you've got low oxygen oxygenation levels would you also be dizzy would that be Absolutely, a particular yes, sign of definitely be it okay and also just fatigue is a big one there too because um, you know our body can produce energy in different ways and our little mitochondria which are very effective by inflammation but um one of the ways we you know we have aerobic um, energy production we have anaerobic and um, if we don't have enough oxygen in our bloodstream then you know that can affect our energy production but you know the, the caveat here you know your, your blood oxygenation if you're at home and you have one of those clips it'll never drop below you know 96 97 so i mean we're, we're talking about kind of micro changes we're not talking about you know dropping down to 85 and if you ever see that that's a big red flag. yeah <laughs> so it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just small little little changes yeah so, so yeah. things that wouldn't probably even be perceptible we're talking about tissue oxygenation so this is the the amount of oxygen available to cells at the end, not not necessarily maybe what you'd see on your clip dropping. Yeah. But of course, if you if you you know you, you often will find if you are you know have one of those oxygen saturation little devices at home, you should be able to see. Um, you should be able to increase it if you ever see your oxygen, blood oxygenation at you know 95, 96, 97, and you take a few deep breaths, you should actually begin to see that come up, and that's a good sign that you're not breathing deeply because of stress, because you know often we're not. You know, we're stressed, we, we kind of breathe mm-hmm. from our shoulders, we don't breathe from our diaphragm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a good, you know, if, if you can you know, use your clip and, and, and increase that number, that's a good sign that you're just not breathing well and you might be stressed. Yeah, in the US, I uh, did something called biofeedback, and it's exactly mm-hmm. what it sounds like. It sounds like it's a program that gives you feedback on your biology mm-hmm. in the moment. And unfortunately, I don't do it in New Zealand because I can't afford to buy it on my own because it's about $30,000 for the equipment. But what it was is I would hook people up to a computer and we would look at their rate of breath. It would show whether they were breathing from their diaphragm or from their chest. We would look at their blood oxygenation. You could... um, also, you could also train your body to raise and lower your temperature levels. And so it was just using a technology to be able to see that what we were doing from a meditation standpoint was actually influencing our physiological response. And so uh, I just thought I'd throw that yeah. in there. That's really interesting. Nowadays, you can get some things like a little, ox- what do you call those? The little pulse Yeah, that word. Um, you can get those and that is a type of biofeedback you can use. Yeah. Real quick, I'll repeat this again when we start to talk about um, things that you can do with chronic fatigue and, and when we start to give some advice or examples of things you can do. But there's two free apps if you have a droid. It's called Paced Breathing, P-A-C-E-D, Paced Breathing. And that is, while it doesn't actually take any measurements from you, what it does is it's set at the rate of breath per minute that we would want to actually bring down that sympathetic nervous system and bring up the parasympathetic. So all you have to do is breathe along with the app. When the breath, when the app tells you to breathe in, you breathe in. When it tells you to breathe out, you breathe out. And if you're following along with that, you will get into a balanced state. Um, so that's one of the things I always share with my patients. However, that's not available on iPhones. So if you have an iPhone, there is an app called Belly Bio. They might have changed the name a little bit, but it's Belly Bio. It is also free. That one is a little bit more of a biofeedback. 
listen, it's free, so it's not perfect. Um, I don't have an iPhone, so I've never used it, but the feedback I've heard from my patients is the way that you use it is you actually put it on your belly. And when you're breathing diaphragmatically, when your breath is going up and down and it's at a nice slow pace, uh, I think waves, the sound of waves plays. And then when, you're, when you start to shift up into your chest, the waves stop. Um, so it's giving you biological feedback that you've shifted into an unhealthy way of breathing. So those are two. So it would be paced breathing for droids uh, and belly bio for iPhones. Oh. Sorry to interrupt you. No, I just good. wanted to get that out there while I was thinking about it. No, it's a great, great tool. I was trying to come across HeartMath. Yes, HeartMath is yeah, a version yeah. of biofeedback that I used. Yeah, yeah they're, they're fantastic. I've seen yeah. such amazing results. So, you know, with HeartMath, it uses that kind of paced breathing and the biofeedback to actually turn on your parasympathetic um, nervous yeah. system. You know, in terms of the importance of that, back to inflammation, you know, even in, in some in some conditions that, you know, aren't even responding to, you know, high-dose pregnancy, steroids like rheumatoid arthritis, they're actually even implanting little pacemakers that basically tell your nervous system to kind of shift the wow, nervous system to turn off inflammation. So it's so important. These yeah. tools are Heart math, I think, great. is more affordable. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's still expensive uh, from what I remember, but it is, I believe, more affordable than like the program I was using, which was a professional program that you would use with athletes and you know, like you could really go, 30,000 was like the minimum price. You oh. could go way up there and really get into um, all of your different biological feedback that you would need if you were an Olympic athlete. But heart math is another version of that that's more for the layman, mm -hmm. more for someone who's not a psychologist or professional. Yeah. Um, so if anybody wants to look that up yeah, you know, as well. Yeah, I think heart math were the ones that kind of pioneered this measurement of some of the heart rate variability. Mm -hmm which um, heart rate variability is basically a measurement of your, your stress response the balance between your fight flight and rest and digest nervous system. And, and now we're so lucky in terms of um, in terms of measuring our stress response. A lot of you know, the devices these, that we use, like the whoop strap and the aura ring, it actually measures something called heart rate variability. So telling you how stressed you are. And you know that can also in turn tell you how inflamed you could potentially be. And by using things like this and you know deciding how much you want to exercise, you know, based on your heart rate variability or your nervous system recovery, you can actually, you know, also tailor your, your exercise routine to be beneficial, reduce inflammation, increase oxygenation, but not increase stress. Yeah. One of the reasons I switched to the WHOOP is because it actually kind of helps me do my activity pacing because what it does is it will tell me based on heart rate variability, based on, I think it's oxygenation, um, a few other things, my skin temperature, a few other things it will say. Uh, you've hit the gym really hard. You either need to do like an active recovery or a low, you know, kind of a recovery day. So it works with your measurements to, to kind of do that math for you. Um, I've become really good at knowing my body and knowing my cues when I need to take a recovery day, but that has taken years to get to that point for me. And now ha having this, I don't know if the aura ring does that as well, but having these types of instruments yeah. to do that for us, is really helpful if you have chronic fatigue Absolutely. to kind of go, really okay, my levels, even if it doesn't tell you you need a recovery, if you see that your levels are dropping, then you know that you probably need a recovery or maybe do yoga or Pilates instead of a CrossFit workout, um, those types of things, swimming instead of CrossFit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so important. Like I said, for people, especially with chronic fatigue or fatigue syndromes or, you know, uh, inflammatory conditions, it's, it's such a great tool. Yeah. What are some other things that you think would be important for us to hit on today in this episode, Vanessa? 
Well, a big one, you know, that ties again inflammation with mitochondrial function and fatigue is our environment. And the biggest thing I want to talk about uh, kind of in this section is our light environment. Mm. So another really, really important factor that I think we need to do a whole episode on is this idea of something called circadian rhythm or circ circadian biology. And basically, if we think about it, you know, over our entire evolution as a species, we've evolved on a planet with this 24-hour cycle. So we have day, we have night. And because our body, you know, our cells have so many functions to do throughout the day, um, everything is on a very tight schedule. And so we even have, you know, genes in our body or, you know, our cells know exactly what time it is all the time. And they know what they should be doing and when. And so we have our internal kind of time timekeeping mechanisms, but that's also influenced by um, what, what's going on in our environment. And so if our environmental cues and the primary the primary one being light, our light environment doesn't match what time our cells it is or what time our cells think it should be. It is. Yep. <laughs> we basically get something called cellular chaos. So so you know we're doing the wrong things at the wrong time. And that is one of the biggest drivers of inflammation. Mm. So if we have, you know, if we don't get sufficient, you know, light in the morning, you know, we're not exposed to you know, bright outside light in the morning. Natural light. Natural light. Sorry. Yeah. So um, natural sunlight, and then you know, um, being exposed to light at, at midday, and then that light goes away at night. If if we don't kind of have those those kind of those reminders of what time it is, then our body gets very confused and does the wrong thing. And oftentimes in our immune system, we kind of talk, that wrong thing is just too much inflammation. So, I mean, one of the biggest drivers of you know, our immune system response is a hormone called melatonin. And everyone's heard of that, it's a sleep hormone. And yep. Yep. It, does, it, does, it doesn't so much help us sleep, but it gets the body ready for all the things that should be happening at night. So when you know, we build melatonin during the day, so we need bright outside, you know, um, natural light to make a lot of melatonin. We actually make it from serotonin. Mm. So, you know. Interesting. I don't think I knew that. So we're exposed to, you know, light, you know, morning light and, you know, midday light. And that builds the serotonin up. And then at night when that light goes away, that, that serotonin is made into melatonin. And so then the melatonin will actually, you know, it, it drops our body temperature. It prepares us for sleep. But one of the most important functions is actually turning on our innate immune system. So turning on the part of our immune system that's really, really important for clearing viruses, for um, getting rid of cells that could be going down that cancer path, mm. and also for um, reducing inflammation, sorry, especially <laughs> in the guts. One of the things that I think is, I've been hearing a lot about lately, a lot of my friends' partners are now kind of doing this is where they're making sure they get out and they see the sunrise and they're so making sure that they're seeing the sunset. However, my issue with this is that they're then going back inside to artificial lighting, yeah. watching television until it's time for bed, which if you don't know, most people do know this nowadays, but our electronics emit something called a blue light. So our, if we're watching stuff on our phones, if we're reading books on our phones, um, our iPads, our television emits this thing called blue light, which interrupts our body's ability, it tells the body to stay awake rather than to make melatonin. And another little free thing, to, um, just FYI, is you can go into what either Apple or Droid, Google, Google Apps, whatever you have, and download a blue light filter. That's the first step, because that's usually free. Um, that would be one thing that if you are gonna be on your device kind of into the evening before you go to bed, um, we could do a whole episode on sleep hygiene and why you shouldn't be on your electronics in the bed. But that is the first thing to do is you can turn on a blue light filter that will help with that. But 
my argument is we can get outside, we can see the sunrise, we can see the sunset, but it, then if we're coming back to all of this artificial lighting and um, electronics, is that undoing all of that work? Yeah, you'll actually blunt your melatonin um, release, and, and in doing so, then you're you know decreasing your immune system function to you know by cancer and viral uh, viruses, mm. and then you're also then just kind of spurring on this chronic inflammation because your immune system hasn't had the chance to really do its, its nightly cleanup, and then all day long, you know, it, it's 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 timing is off. So it's kind of like, it sounds like your melatonin is really important for like rebooting your system. I'm Absolutely, you're yeah, looking at great. it like a computer. Yep. And if you don't have enough of it, then yeah. you're not, your reboot's not going to be complete and you're going to be left, left over with that toxicity or whatever is going on in Absolutely. your system. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously we all, you know, we all know about, you know, why we need to get, um, get sunlight during midday, you know, to make um, vitamin D. And of course that vitamin D is, you know, our vitamin D levels are, are really, really important when it comes to our immune response. But it's so, so important for inflammation as well. When we have chronically low level of vitamin D, then that does does allow the, or that does kind of um, causes this idea of chronic inflammation and non-resolution of inflammation we do have. Interesting, yeah. And also what you said about uh, the melatonin and serotonin being linked, then that would also explain why a lot of times with depression, you've got problems sleeping. Absolutely. You know, it, people think about people with depression oversleeping, but actually it's quite the opposite. A lot of times it's they have a really hard time mm -hmm. falling. So, and I say they, I am one of those people that has mm -hmm. depression. And so I definitely have problems with sleep. Always have. I either sleep way too much and still am not refreshed, or which again is a chronic fatigue thing, or not able to sleep at all. Um, so that could be another interesting thing from from a mental health perspective. Absolutely, yeah. So so that light, you know, throughout the day is so important. The other kind of factor with inflammation, fatigue, immune responses. If we're inside all day and we're not getting the the, the light cues, because you know, light isn't just one thing. You know, natural light, the the color temperature or the wavelengths or the um, our body perceives perceives the light throughout the day very differently. So in the morning, there's a lot of something called infrared. That's why sometimes it looks pink in the sunrise. Um, there's a there's not a lot of uh, UVA or UVB, and it's later in the day with that um, UVA UVB that you get the simulation of vitamin D, um, and that that kind of also tells your body what time it is, and then that going that light going away. So, you know, it's also really crucial for hormone function. Mm. So basically, you know, the, the bright light in the morning kind of tells your brain um, to start producing kind of the uh, LH and FSH, kind of the, the hormones that tell your ovaries or your testes to kind of make, make hormones mm. so, and thyroid as well. So, you know, we need that light environment to be correct. We need to be getting outdoor light, you know, at least 10 minutes a day, minimum morning, noon and night um, to be able to have good immune system function, to be able to have, you know, proper hormone secretion. And then kind of the third part, kind of tying that back to light or, some, or inflammation, fatigue. Yeah, <laughs> all of the things that all we're talking about. It's all yeah. related. <laughs> is, um, so, so bright light during the day does increase cortisol. And, and it should because you, know, you should be more awake during the day. You have a little bit more stress hormones. You're more alert. But if we're looking at, if we're looking at indoor light, and especially indoor light um, you know, when it should be dark, we're going to get that chronic stimulation of, of cortisol again which could lead to that cortisol resistance, which drives inflammation. And it's, it's just um, very stimulating to the body and then you don't get that nice recovery period. So and it's, stress, so it's hard. very stressful to be. Yeah, it's so hard because most of us live in a place, live in cities, mm. you know, where there's like, even if you, um, 
turn your lights off in your house, there's all this outdoor light. And so there's things like blackout curtains. Mm. That blue blocking glasses. Blue block, blue light, blue blocking glasses, like blue light glasses. blocking glasses. I have a few different pairs that I wear along with my um, blue light filter on my screen. Um, just talking about the light, just something really interesting that I've noticed fall is my favorite time of year. Mm. All, no matter where I'm at, whether I'm here in New Zealand or in the US, fall is always my favorite time of year. And I can tell almost exactly the day we move into fall based on the light, the way the sun streams through, like the color of the sky and just something about the way the, the sunlight changes, it becomes clearer and more crisp. Just something interesting that like I noticed, I can't do it with really any other season, but for some reason with fall, I know almost exactly to the day we've swept over into fall based on the light. Um, but another thing that is really, for those of us who are nature lovers and love being outdoors, another problem is that even if you go camping nowadays, there's so much light pollution. Mm. And so back in the day, our ancestors you know, had the sky to tell us it was nighttime. The stars, all of these things that we can't even see in cities yeah. anymore because of light pollution. And so it is important since it, you, we can't easily get access to um, what do they call that in New Zealand where the light, uh, dark zone or, a, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't think of what they call it, but there's, um, an area in New Zealand where after a certain time of night, all of the houses have to turn their lights off. Um, because basically this, there. yeah, I know me too. Basically the sky is protected so you can see all the stars. It's amazing, but obviously we don't have that in most places. So some of the things that we can do are the blue light blocking glasses, the, um, curtains, uh, well, eye mask at night. Eye mask, that's important. another thing I do. And then if you're a shift worker, that's mm. another, that's why we see a lot of shift workers with heart disease and, yeah, yeah. and because of all the stress from their bodies not being in line yeah. with the rising of the sun, the setting of the sun, um, that sort the, of thing. The World Health Organization has even denoted um, shift work as a, as a human carcinogen. Yeah. And that's, you know, when, when the, the nurse's health study was a big study that was done, found that women, you know, that, that had light, you know, they're doing shift work actually had much higher risks of breast cancer. Mm. And that kind of ties back into the immune system function and melatonin. The thyroid, the, yeah, exactly. all of that. Uh, I have a friend that is a medical doctor and she was doing shift work for a very long time. Mm, really and when funny. she shifted to, you know, normal kind of days, she noticed that her mental health changed Absolutely. like tremendously. Her ability to work out and exercise mm. and all of that really changed. Uh, and then when she went back to shift work, it was quite difficult. So, yeah, light, you know, natural light being outside is so, so important for energy production as well. You know, um, to be able to, <laughs> to you know, get, getting that, getting that outdoor light, it really just helps with energy production, helps to get our hormones in balance. You know, if, if you can block all um, artificial light at night, women will actually come into cycle with the moon. And that's because, you know, the, the nights that are the brightest, that'll actually stimulate more of that LH, that, that hormone production. And so you'll actually start ovulating the full moon and having your period um, mm. in the darkest nights. And this is actually a, a really fun, you know, experiment I do with a lot of my female patients. So, um, you know, who menstruate. Or, or sorry, <laughs> clients who menstruate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is basically, you know, getting them very, very strict about seeing that morning sun, you know, making sure they're wearing, you know, blue blocking glasses after dark consistently, um, except for, you know, uh, going outside around just a few days around the full moon we're actually finding that within three to three to six months sometimes it takes you can actually get people to ovulate on the full moon and have their period in the dark of the moon that's very fascinating cool yeah that's really cool i also know the power of light yeah and it is true just talking about the moon for a second 
full moons, there is a reality to mm -hmm. emergency rooms being more full yeah. on the full moon for whatever reason. <laughs> That's actually a true, a true thing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> We've talked about whole lots of things today. Heaps of things, as they say here in New Zealand. We've talked about heaps of things today. So I think maybe what we should start to do, especially with chronic fatigue, is kind of start to wrap it up as far as what are the symptoms that we might look for that might indicate that we have inflammation. We know what our symptoms are of chronic fatigue. If you go back to that last episode, uh, we reviewed what you need to have in order to get a chronic fatigue diagnosis. But let's just kind of wrap up what we talked about last time and today, what are the symptoms uh, that we're looking for that might indicate inflammation, which would be um, also a leading factor in chronic fatigue. Mm. I mean, I, it goes so far as to say that in, not 100% obviously, but in, in, in most cases, you know, if you're experiencing kind of the deep fatigue kind of associated with you know, chronic fatigue, as we've discussed, there is some level of underlying inflammation. And, you know, other other common symptoms, you know, uh, fatigue being the, the biggest one, mm -hmm. you know, that brain fog, that just inability to think that, you know, muscle, you know, joints and, or sorry, uh, body not healing well, those are all symptoms of, you know, you're not making enough energy and that's probably underlined by some level of inflammation that could be due to all the things we discussed. But, you know, in terms of kind of generalized generalized symptoms while again most chronic diseases are underlined by some level of inflammation or immune system dysfunction mm. you know other kind of big red flags for you know if you're inflamed would be you know fatigue number one but also things like you know wandering pain so mm. like joint pain yep. and like just achiness and muscles that are you know sore a big one is you know if you, if you work out and then all of a sudden you're just um, way too sore for the amount of exercise mm -hmm. you've done that's a big sign that your body is not able to kind of repair and that could be, you know, um, often due to inflammation. Another big one is, um, is like dry, itchy eyes, having a lot of allergies, you know, gut, gut troubles, you know, bloating, um, IBS sometimes, IBS, yeah. like that. both, uh, diarrhea and mm -hmm. constipation. Another big, you know, another common one you know, for inflammation is uh, having bleeding gums. So if you're chronically, your gums are always bleeding, that can be a sign that there's inflammation in the body. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, while blood sugar imbalances can drive inflammation, um, sometimes having, you know, high blood sugar is a root, is a is a symptom of inflammation as well. Okay. Yeah. I know for me, I had the stomach symptoms. I started get, getting like. Not eczema, but something oh, like yeah, eczema, skin, uh, skin yeah, rashes um, all over my face that I had never had in mm -hmm. my life. And I use all natural products because I'm aware of not using stuff with mm -hmm. other than my perfumes occasionally. Mm -hmm. But you know, like I was using everything all natural, and all of a sudden I was getting these really itchy, mm -hmm. super dry patches, almost burning. It was mm -hmm. so dry. Um, so skin issues, obviously fatigue, which I talked about, and I did start having joint pain that I had never had before and it wasn't related to my old injuries. It seemed to wander. Mm, um, uh, inability to recover from a workout. Oh, mental health. Mental health, so obviously. Depression, depression anxiety goes up. You know, all of that goes up um, or gets worse. Sleeping problems, sleep hormone <laughs> imbalances where you get acne that doesn't clear up with you know, medication. Yeah, and um, I mean, and also we have to kind of think about it. if you've been on steroids or on, you know, hydrocortisone or asthma inhalers, things like that for a long time, that can sometimes, you know, over a long term kind of 
interfere with your body's ability to kind of to um, resolve inflammation. Another potential cause of inflammation is taking um, long-term use of NSAIDs, so a non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like Tylenol, Tylenol and those. So Panadol in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, so you know they're really great at the onset of inflammation. So taking them for a day or two when you're when you're injured is really good. But if we stay on those for long term, they actually interfere with the resolution of inflammation, and they can take that acute inflammation and make it kind of low grade and chronic. So you might find you have to keep taking them. And what I want to say about that is I got into quite a few arguments with medical doctors who wanted me to take NSAIDs uh, every single day for my endometriosis pain. And I argued with them that that was not healthy. And they argued back that there was nothing wrong with me taking NSAIDs. That's not true. There's yeah, like, there's also sure we call them uh, resolution toxic. So you can look that up. <laughs> resolution yeah. toxic. Yeah. So, um, so just if you are dealing with any kind of chronic pain issue, please don't let a medical doctor tell you that there's nothing wrong with taking NSAIDs every day. Um, if you need it, you need it, but just be aware that there are side effects of taking NSAIDs every single day. So please don't, please know that. I just want to make sure that's very clear. Um, we haven't talked about fibromyalgia in this episode, but chronic fatigue and, and joint pain is a massive um, uh, sym symptoms of, of uh, fibromyalgia. And so, um, we may or may not do an episode on fibromyalgia because all of this would be in line with fibromyalgia as well as chronic fatigue. Also, again, all of this would be in line for endometriosis, even though we'll do, we will do a episode on endometriosis. So basically what I want to make clear, and I think Vanessa would agree with me on, is that even though we're talking about chronic fatigue, even though we're talking about inflammation um, as it relates to chronic fatigue, actually all of this is relatable again you're not a floating head so all of this is related to anything going on and what i would say my piece of advice as a psychologist what i would say is that if you know your body and you know you feel off and you feel something is wrong please listen to that and find a team that is willing to work with you um, to go through all of these things. I know this could sound really overwhelming and that's where a good team will help break it down as to where to start Absolutely. with all of this. Cause I know when I came to Vanessa, I dumped everything on her and was like, Oh my God, I everything's wrong with I me. I love playing health detective. <laughs> and she was fantastic. And that was what I needed with someone who was willing to play health detective and say, okay, I'm gonna put all the pieces of the puzzle together, but this is where we're gonna start and then we'll work our way into those other things. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you wanna say on symptoms, but it, um, we also want to talk a little bit about some of the measurements that you can have as well. Yeah, so I mean, just back to kind of, you know, driving this point home one more time, inflammation, this chronic immune, you know, inability to turn off the inflammatory response is a driver for most chronic diseases from heart disease we talked about, obviously, um, chronic fatigue, even things like, you know, cognitive decline, dementia further on. So it's really yeah. important to get on top of your inflammation levels. And you know, there are some good tests to look at. I mean, the standard test is you know, C-reactive protein. We mentioned CRP. Unfortunately, it's not that sensitive. So, you know, if you have a good integrative um, physician, you might want to ask about something called high sensitivity CRP. And that's a much more specific test. Um, usually it's not that widely available for us in New Zealand, but in the US, um, you can even uh, request that online from companies like lifeextension.com actually have that test. So, you know, measure, get the CRP measured. Also, you know, in terms of three tests to look at 
kind of global risk of inflammation and things that could potentially the biggest factors driving it. You want to kind of get your HSCRP, you want to get your hemoglobin A1C, that's the, the blood sugar measurement of how many, how much of your mm. red blood cells have sugar stuck, which is the driver of the um, inflammatory response. Ferritin can be pretty important, even though that doesn't usually get too high, unless you have a lot of acute inflammation, like you're fighting, fighting infection. Mm. That's a good one. Um, you know, a good integrative doctor could also look at something called a cytokine panel. I um, haven't mentioned it, but those text messages I kept mentioning earlier are actually called cytokines. They're, they're the body's kind of, um, the immune system's kind of messaging system. And so we can look at the cytokine profile or which of the immune system messengers are high or low, and then kind of figure out in a lot of detail uh, if there's inflammation, where it's coming from, and what the potential is that a Is that a blood work? Or yeah, a blood, a blood okay. I mean, and then really, really important in terms of inflammation would be looking at your stress response. So looking at your cortisol levels. Mm -hmm. So there's some really amazing tests that look at um, cortisol throughout the day. Our cortisol, you know, it, it's again, it's like inflammation, it's not good or bad. It should be high in the morning, should be low at night. That circadian um, rhythm again. So there's some really nice tests that you can either measure salivary cortisol, so spitting into two, five times a day, or my favorite test is a urinary test that looks at um, cortisol, melatonin, and um, your, your sex hormones, as well as how they're broken down. That's called a Dutch test, so you can ask your provider about that. It's not from Holland, it's dried urine total comprehensive hormone test. Oh, that's interesting. I would not have guessed that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what that stood for. <laughs> yeah. And that's an amazing test because that's going to look at your cortisol throughout the day. That's telling us if there's potential inflammation from that cortisol resistance stress mm -hmm. point of view. It's looking at your sex hormones, which also play into inflammation levels. It's looking at your melatonin to see you know, what your immune system is doing at night. And are you on Facebook too much at night? Uh-huh. <laughs> Instagram, yeah. Twitter, whatever, all the other... Exactly. Social media things are. <laughs> I'm showing my age. <laughs> and then it, why I really love that test too is it also looks at a marker called um, a marker basically that looks at potential DNA damage. So you know if, if that marker is high, then you, you really know there probably is a lot of um, inflammation damage in the body. So love that test. And I think what I would say is that I would do these tests. I would not waste my money on food allergy testing, yeah. food sensitivity testing. It's you're going to have food sensitivities you're if gonna you're have inflamed. if you're inflamed. So save your money and do some of these other tests um, before doing, I mean, I honestly wouldn't oh. even do those tests really. Actually, a really a really good test to, to assess inflammation um, look from kind of a gut gut level is something called um, zonulin. So it's a marker of, basically a marker of how, how tight the little gaps are in between the cells of your gut. And if that, that zonulin marker is high, it's basically saying you have intestinal permeability, which basically means you, you very you, know, you have inflammation. Yeah, you and food sensitivities. What type of test? Is that a blood test or a... No, that is a stool test. Stool test. Oh, I'm sorry, the, the, there is a few. Um, some labs do it as blood. Um, oh, okay. can be done in stool. So that's yeah. really important. Yeah. So we've talked about stool tests, we've talked about urine tests, we've talked about blood work. Um, so heart rate variability. Heart rate variability, yep, looking at your device if you have one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as some things, again, you know, being aware that not everybody is going to be able to unfortunately afford 
all these types of things. Um, if you feel like, I, I would just go ahead and say, if you're feeling like crap, you've got inflammation, right? Like that's probably pretty, pretty fair to say. Yeah. So some of the things, um, that you could do to work towards, you know, man, getting the inflammation down would be things like, uh, meditating and doing particular types of meditation where you're working on your breathing rate. You want your breath to be between six to eight breaths per minute um, in order to activate that parasympathetic nervous system. So that's where that paced breathing app that I talked about and the belly bio, you're really shooting for six to eight breaths per minute in order to actually change um, your physiological response in the body. It's not just meditating. It's not just kind of um, going into uh, imagining that you're laying on a beach. It's really about actually actively trying to get to that six to eight breaths per minute. Um, blue light glasses. And I'm just on the breathing. Mm. Anytime we breathe through our belly, we're basically increasing relaxation response yes. through something called vagal tone or vagus nervous, kind of the, the main regulator of our stress response and also inflammation. That's yep. why I think I mentioned earlier for severe rheumatoid arthritis, not responding to steroids. There's actually some devices they implant into the or next to the vagal nerve and they're vagal nerve stimulators. Yeah. But this nerve goes from the brain all the way down to our abdominal organs. So anytime we breathe from our belly, we're putting pressure on that. So that's mm -hmm. lowering the stress response. Anytime yeah. we, I mean, that's also why talking things through, and you know, is very um, relaxing. That Depending nerve, on who you're talking to. Yeah. <laughs> Don't talk to family. Yeah. <laughs> the vagus nerve kind of goes in the back of the throat. So anytime we sing, we chant, we kind of connect with people using our voice, that can also be very relaxing. Hmm. Cold is very important as well. Yes. Cold is, you know, having Vanessa a cold shower. Vanessa and I have been doing the cold, cold swimming, <laughs> cold showers. Yes. Fantastic. Which we haven't talked much about, hmm. but we uh, will throw that in in some other episodes as well. But um, yeah, doing what you can do for cold showers. If you don't have a bath and you don't want to do an ice bath or you don't have access to uh, a place that you can go swim in cold water, you can start out with warm water and then work your, or hot water, turn it to warm and then work your way to cool. What I've seen in the research is you really need about 30 seconds of the cold and it needs to be quite shocking um, for you to get that benefit. I don't, I, I, the research is a bit up in the air about if there's any additional benefits mm -hmm. over 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. That's been what I've seen. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. seen anything different, um, but yeah. I mean, the cold will, you know, the sufficient duration in cold enough water will also reduce inflammation. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to work on the stress response and also Directly. That's why athletes do ice baths. If you yeah. watch CrossFit competitions, they go jump in an ice bath. Yeah. Um, I personally love that. I would love for our gym, <laughs> hello CrossFit Birkenhead, <laughs> <laughs> to get a cold plunge. Um, but so we've got the blue light glasses, the curtains, we talk blackout curtains, yeah, so light, right? the so melatonin if you're a shift worker. Um, we've talked about breathing. We've talked about uh, getting out in the sunlight. We haven't talked about, and we'll talk oh, fasting with the big one. Yeah, so we might maybe we'll do another episode on fasting because that's a lot longer than I think we want to go into today. The other thing we haven't talked about, which we could go into next time, would be earthing. Oh my Walking god! Walking on the earth. It's yeah. Get outside. Get your shoes off. Yeah, Let's shoes off. For that. Yeah, so, exactly. So it's called earthing. I keep calling it grounding, which is essentially the same thing. But the the technical term is earthing, and there's actual research that shows when. Um, 
they did research with people with diabetes who had uh, wounds that wouldn't heal. And when they um, grounded them, they actually, they healed a lot faster um, and, and cleaner than what they would have healed without it. And so a free way to do that is to get outside with your bare feet on the grass or if Especially you at would, sunrise. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Charge your solar battery. I'm not a morning it. person, so that's not me. But <laughs> I get up as soon as I can. But um, in the cold water. Yes. Barefoot. Cold water. In the cold Barefoot. Water. Yeah. I mean, it's sunrise. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Look, you're here. And all of that is free. Um, <laughs> anything else we know? Absolutely. Oh, just on the earthing, like if, if you do have kind of chronic inflammation, especially with the muscle and joint pain and trouble sleeping. And especially if you're indoors a lot on the computer, you can actually buy grounding. Um, I have a mat, I'll actually grab it and show it on the screen. And they're really great because you can plug them either into a steel rod outside or into the ground of your electrical sockets. And they're actually shown you know, to, quite, to do quite a bit in terms of reducing inflammation and helping with um, fatigue if that's an underlying cause. So they just look like this. It's just a mat and then you just plug it into the outlet. Um, you don't feel anything, it just, works the way it works, I guess. I honestly, I, I, everybody that knows me knows I'm quite hippy-dippy, um, but I actually thought this was hippy-dippy hoo-ha. I thought this was bullshit. Um, and then I started doing research on it. And what got me into the research was all of the research they've done with athletes. And it was, the I think it was the American um, team in the, Tour de France, was it Tour de France? Tour de, what's Tour that? France? Yeah, um, that performed and healed so much better. They slept on these mats in between. Mm -hmm. Sorry guys, I don't know all the details. I'm blanking on the details, but it, you can Google it on earthing and, and um, athletes performance and recovery with inflammation. Yeah. And then also with uh, diabetes. There was heart, heart disease as well. Heart disease, yeah. Reducing coagulation, or you know, helping to reduce inflammation and thinning, helping with thinning blood. So it's not hippy dippy hoo ha. It's not bullshit. Actually, there's research behind it. Um, one of my friends who's a medical doctor looked at me like I was fucking out of my mind. Um, so I sent him all the research on it. So he can't look at me like that anymore. But again, no substitution for hashtag go the fuck outside. Yeah, go the fuck, fuck outside. outside. <laughs> the most important thing you can do for your inflammation and fatigue, I, I still think, yes. is go outside. And I know yeah. when you have chronic fatigue, it can be really hard to even get yourself to just sit outside. That was one of my things. Um, when I was going through my depression and pain and chronic fatigue was my husband would try so hard. He was so sweet. And he'd say, let's just get, you know, just sit outside just for a few minutes. And there was a, a, a meme or whatever you call that, that I saw online that said, you know, your pain is bad when even the sun is too strong. Like even the sunlight is too strong. And that's how I felt like I couldn't even tolerate sitting outside because I was just in so much pain and so miserable. But honestly, when I could make myself do it, even just for a few minutes, I did I did feel better. It's just getting getting yourself to sit outside for a few minutes. And what you do if you know that is too overwhelming or what you should do anyway is just open the window because light is mm -hmm. kind of non-linear. If, if you know, as soon as you open a window, even in your car driving, the light will kind of come inside. Yeah. And it'll help but benefit your circadian biology and inflammation and immune system function. Yeah. So hopefully we haven't thrown too much at you today. There's obviously, as you can tell, oh, really passionate about this and there's so much more we can go into, but there's always the next episode. And in particular, if you guys, if there's anything we talked about that you want to know more on, please email us. Or if there's something we didn't talk about that we forgot that you think would be really important, again, please email us. 
Um, if you're interested in any of the research that we kind of mentioned, email us, we can send you those links. Uh, yeah, and any other topics that you might want to know about, shoot us an email. Perfect. Right. Yeah. Right. Thank so, you so much. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Go the fuck outside. Go the fuck outside. <laughs> Okay, lovelies, that's it for this episode of Not a Floating Head. Thanks so much to Dr. Vanessa for her wealth of information on chronic fatigue and her sparkling personality. If you're living in New Zealand or Australia and would like to reach out to Dr. Vanessa for a consultation, you can go to her website at n equals one dot life. That's N is a Nancy, E, Q, U, A, L, S, then the number one dot life, L-I-F-E. As always, if you have any psychology questions or recommendations for topics you'd like to hear about, you can send them to notafloatinghead at gmail.com and you can follow Not A Floating Head on Instagram for funny, informative videos and pics. And you can also track my experience of having pet rats for the first time. My husband is not sold on this idea, so stay tuned for, I'm sure, some very funny videos. Thanks for listening, and until next time, go have an adventure. Greg, I can't find the thing to stop the recording. Greg, I can't get this stupid mouse over!